Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We told you we were giving away Caps tickets all week long on Grant and Danny. Right now, call number 10 at 800-636-1067. You're going to get to go experience one of the best environments in D.C. sports. Capital One Arena before the end of this season. Four-pack of tickets are yours right now to Caller 10. They're taking on the Sabres Wednesday, March 15th, 7 p.m. start time. You'll be there with three of your pals, courtesy of Monumental Sports. Buy your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com or visit thefandc.com for details. Right now on the BetQL guest hotline, bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app, visit BetQL.com. Brian McClellan, the general manager of the Washington Capitals, who for the first time in about 20 years at the trade deadline, had a major sell-off, a reload of sorts as they build for the future while trying to still compete in the present. And it's complicated and it's difficult, so we figured we'd get Brian McClellan on to talk about the plan here that he put in place. First of all, Brian, thank you for a few minutes. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. No, we're doing well. So I can't relate to this. I mean, I, I've GM'd fantasy teams, which is not the same as what you do on, on a daily basis. Having scouted put together, built a team that I that I think, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but you thought you guys would, would be able to keep going and win this year. How difficult is it to say, you know what? I need to make an adjustment. I need to make a change. And when was that moment? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's a hard decision. Um, you're right. I think at the beginning of the year with our full lineup, um, you know, I think we knew we'd have to get through that first stretch, but I thought, once everybody got healthy, we'd be, a, you know, we'd be one of the second tier teams competing for the cup at the end. Um, you know, I think the way the season unfolded with injuries, injuries to key guys, um, we just never really found a rhythm and struggled to find it, got to the end of the season and we had to make a hard decision on some players and we ended up choosing to move some guys. It is not lost on me that you didn't trade anybody who wasn't on an expiring contract. Said differently, every player you moved was set to be a free agent anyway. I mean, it was that kind of the thought that you guys still plan on winning next season, but you kind of viewed this season as a lost, so to speak, that you don't see this as a year where you guys can get where you need to go. So let's cash in the chips for next year. I think, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things. I think, you know, we had Orloff and Hathaway who were perfect fits in my mind in our lineup. And, 
they were on expiring deals and you know, I don't think we were playing at the level as a team that, you know, we expected us to play at and you know, we I have discussions with their agents and representatives and, and you know, both of these players have earned the right to go to free agency to see what you know, see what's out there, see what they can do. Um so when we got to that point, I think we had to make a decision. Um, both really good players. Um, I think, you know, any team, any organization is going to love to have them. Obviously, Boston likes what they've got in both those guys. And it's difficult to let them go because of the fit, because of the people, too, you know. Um, they're really good people and did a lot in the community, worked well with our team. Um, so it's, it's hard to let those kind of guys go. Caps GM Brian McClellan with us here on GND. And, and Brian, you guys have had such an exceptional run of highly competitive teams that this is just, you know, it, it's almost an opportunity for us to kind of look back on that and say, this is unbelievable that you guys haven't had to do this more to keep this incredible window open. When did you know? Like, there was probably a time in, 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 in your brain where you're going, maybe we can, maybe we can't. When did it, the scales tip where you said, you know what, we're going to move some of these guys? Yeah, I mean, I think in December we had a really good month, yeah. and then it's it switched over to January, and then Carlson got hurt, and I think from that point on, um, we had good games where we played good teams and beat good teams, but it was more inconsistent, and our level of play always wasn't where it should have been if you're going to be a contender. Um so I, I think you track that over up until the trade deadline, hoping that you can find that consistency, find that rhythm. Um, and, and we did play for stretches or, you know, games uh, very well, but we had periods where it, it didn't look right. It didn't feel right. And with key guys out, there was a reason for that. So, you know, maybe we made the decision, the trade deadline is the trade deadline. We were still we were four points out. We're still four points out. So I, I think we're hanging in, um, and we'll see where we go from here. If you guys narrowly miss the playoffs, because as you said, you've won three out of four here, will you have any regret about how you guys handled it? No, I don't think so. I think we're at where we are. Um, I, I, I think we should still be competitive. Uh, I think we have a decent team. Um, and I, 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 as an organization, I, I think, you know, we want to compete till the end and try and make it. Brian McClellan on Grant and Danny here on the fan. Uh, in the end, the Capitals move off of Orlov, Hathaway, Mojo, uh, Gustafson, and Eller, and they get back Rasmus Sandin, who's a terrific young, controllable left-handed shooting defenseman who can move the puck, a second-round pick, two third-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. Uh, in the future. So a handful of picks and a young defenseman. My favorite deal that you guys made was actually when you gave up the one that you got from Boston and Gustafson, who, by the way, was way better this year than I anticipated. And kudos to you and your staff because he was analytically phenomenal and, and was a great asset for a team at the deadline. But you package him in a pick together to go get Sandine, who I think could be a top four defenseman in the next couple of years. How did that deal come ab about? And did you make like the first deal with that one already in the works or were they kind of completely exclusive? No, I, I think we made the Boston deal, but I think our mindset going into the deadline is we were going to try and trade for uh, young players. If there, if the opportunity opportunity presented itself um, in the discussions on the defense trading, we um, trading Orloff, we talked to Toronto 
and Toronto, you know, was looking to be in that market too. So I, I think as discussions involved, um, you know, we targeted Sandine and we were able to get him at the end. Um, you know, I think they needed a, a depth guy to cover Sandine on the power play and they used Gustafson for that. So I think it worked out good for both teams. And uh, I think it's a good fit for us with our goal of trying to get some younger, skilled players in here. You mentioned young players, uh, Brian. I think this is the hardest thing to do. We've actually talked to, to uh, Mike Rizzo of the Nationals about this over the years. And when you've got a star-studded veteran group that's ready to compete for championships, one of the hardest things to do is to fold in younger players and have them kind of grow into those roles. It's hard to develop when you're competing at, at the highest level. If you're you're going to lose 60 games a year, no problem. Try a bunch of kids out there and see what happens. That's such a huge challenge. Do you feel like maybe you can balance that now a little bit better, now that maybe some of the pressure of this year is off, getting some uh, some work to some of your top prospects? Yeah, I do. I think, I mean, it's happening now. I mean, we have Sandine, who's, you know, played a third-pair role in Toronto. I mean, he's going to get a top-pairing uh, assignment here and get to play first power play so i mean that's going to be great for his development he's still young he's 22 years old uh Alexiev's getting an opportunity i mean he hasn't he's been in another lineup which is tough on a young guy to get consistent but he's had a couple good games in a row and then you know we have uh iorio who's taking advantage uh or we're taking advantage of you know an injury situation to get him up for a couple games so i think where we're at now, we have uh, windows where we can check out guys, see where they're at, and help them develop. Brian, and to your point, when we're winning and we're competing for a championship, it's tough to bring young guys in mm-hmm. because you, you know you can't you can't afford to develop, you can't afford to have them make mistakes, and uh, that's the way it goes when you're in uh, you know competing for a championship. Maybe this is just the difference between being a GM and being a head coach, right? Because you're always kind of looking partially toward the big picture. And if you're Laviolette in the final year of a contract, you're worried about getting two points tonight. But I have been curious, Mac, if there is ever kind of a a disconnect between you and him roster-wise in this regard. Like, I love when you clear space like you did to kind of create this opportunity where – I'm thinking I'm going I went uh, right after the Orlov deal and I'm at the arena and I'm going okay I'm going to see Alexiev tonight. But then and no disrespect to like Irwin or or any of the other guys that aren't the high end prospects, but I keep waiting for these first round picks to get a shot. And I understand year in and you're out you're trying to win a cup that, that doesn't happen, but yet you're clearing space but you're still kind of using some of the older guys rather than let's just play Protus, you know, every single night. Are those conversations you guys have constantly or, or does, you know, are you in on the, the who gets to play and who doesn't as well? Uh, to a certain extent, but I, I think the coach, that's his responsibility to put the lines together. Uh, I can have input to a certain extent, but you have to give him the responsibility of putting the team together, you know, accomplishing what he wants to accomplish, who he wants to use on specialty teams, how he wants to match up against the other teams. I don't think it works for a manager to to come in and control personnel situations. I can, you know, ask, you know, uh, you know, what about this? What about that? But and then vice versa, um, you know, you don't want your coach making personnel decisions. Who we bringing in? You want to keep them informed, but there's a relationship that has to go on between the two, and each of them has to do their job. Are you pretty content overall with the, the ice time then that the, the kids will get? Or I guess that's to be determined now the rest of the way because 
we just hit the button on, hey, we're focusing on the future. But that's tough for Lavi because he is trying to, like, he's in the, the final year of his contract as well. I, I guess my point is I just want to see the kids get ice time now. And I understand you're still in the mix for the playoffs, but it, it seems like organizationally we're on to next year. So it's, it's just a weird gray area for me. Yeah, I, I, it is great, but I think, you know, last game, you know, Sandine and Alexia, Alexia played the most minutes, uh, two games It was ago. awesome to Sandine see, Sandine yeah. was our was cool. number one defenseman, you know. I, I think you're seeing it happen now in the back end. You know, part of it is injuries uh, to Jensen. And uh, so it's it's happening now more than it has, and we'll see where it goes from here. Brian, you mentioned the injuries, and that's been the story. I mean, it just is. Whether it's, you know, the, the Connor Brown, the, the felt like his first shift. I, I barely got a chance to get to know him before he was on the shelf, whether it's Wilson, Baxter, everybody else. Does that feel like something that's just bad luck, or is it something that you're maybe concerned about long-term where, you know, a veteran roster might be a bit more banged up uh, more often? I, I think it's a mix of both. You know, I don't think the Wilson and the Brown ACL things were – you know, a, a result of their age. They're both mm-hmm. in their primes and just accident happened or injuries happened. Uh, the Carlson, you know, the shot in the head, I mean, that's just a freak thing. It has nothing to do with how old you are. I mean, Orloff missed a chunk of time and he's never hurt. Uh, the Backstrom one is uh, is an old injury that's gotten worse and he had a hip resurfacing. I mean, that would be age-related. Uh, so I think it's it's a little both. Um um, so it, it's just been that year where every time it looks like we're going to be healthy and have a full lineup, uh, something happens and we get out of our rhythm and the injuries, you know, are contribution to that. Will we see Carlson again this year to, or is he shut down until next season? Yeah, I think he, we might see him at the end of the month here. We'll see how he's doing and then what our uh, trainers and doctors say. Um, how he's at, and maybe by the end of the March, uh, we'll see him again. This may be a stupid question, Brian, so forgive me in advance for asking it, but I, I imagine you're around these guys all the time, and again, this window has been so incredible where you guys have competed at the highest level, and for the first time in forever, the Caps were sellers, net sellers at, at the deadline. Did you get a bit nostalgic as you kind of went through that and said goodbye to some faces that, you know, like Lars Eller that helped win a Stanley Cup here and a guy like Marcus Johansson that seems like he's been here forever? Is, were there kind of moments where it wasn't the easiest thing to do? Yeah, I think it was really difficult because because we've won, because what we've gone through to win, um, because these guys all have relationships. I think we're still going through it as a team. Um, I don't think anybody's comfortable with losing good people um, as a player, as a room, uh, as a manager. Um, it's it's hard to do, and it's going to take a while for everybody to get through it and move forward, and it's just not going to happen overnight. Everyone's talking about the trades the Caps have made, and they should, but as we look ahead kind of to the future blueprint here, you've been busy getting some extensions signed as well. Uh, Strom came in on a one-year deal. You locked him up. You guys claim Milano and, and kind of grab him out of nowhere. He turns into a nice player. He's locked up. Abe Kubel got signed. You got the three-year deal in place with Jensen right at the deadline. How does that figure into kind of this next two, three-year blueprint that you're putting together? Well, I think, you know, we took Stroman to cover for Backstrom, and 
you know, really liked what he had done, how he had played. He was a good fit for our team. Uh, liked his work on the power play. So I think the age of 25 years old to get a guy that can play center and first power play, I think it was important for us to sign him. Uh, Milano came in again. He's a, you know, he's a younger player. He's 26. Uh, came in and played well with us. Seemed to be a good fit in the lineup. I mean, these are the type of players I think we're targeting. You know, the 20, 26, 25 uh, year old guys, and then you know, getting Sandine at twenty two, seeing what Alexiev can do at twenty three, um, Iorio at twenty. I mean, we're trying to incorporate these types of guys in our lineup and make a transition here, while still being competitive. Our core is still in place, um, so I think we can accomplish it. And we'll see what happens in the off season and at the draft. We'll look to add some more guys with similar characteristics. So obviously just that answer, your goal is getting younger to an extent. Do you care if it's faster or bigger? Like we've had you on for years and we've talked about those terms when you guys at one point were speedy and then you were heavier. You want to get younger and what? I think, you know, our lineup needs a little skill right now. Um, You know, I I think if ideally if we could add a top six winger that has skill in the offseason, I think that would help. And then we'll see how our blue line plays itself out. You know, we'll get Carlson back. We've got Jensen signed. Um, And the young guys will, you know, this would be a good time to evaluate where they fit in for us going forward. Thinking about something here that you guys were talking about, Brian, you guys have an amazing track record of finding players. I don't want to say that nobody else wants. They're NHL players, but guys outperform what they've previously done here. Everyone, I'm thinking of Brett Connolly, whether Dylan Strome, Milano, and you guys fold them seamlessly into your culture, and they just sort of seem to pick it up and, and, and play well. I'm amazed by that. How do you do that, and could you write it down so I can hand it over to the other teams in town? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, first of all, I think we have a good culture, and we have a good veteran group. Um, so guys coming in uh, into a new environment are comfortable. Um, and when they're comfortable, they can, you know, play better. Uh, I think our our process uh, from hockey ops is, is a good process. Um, you know, we have good people getting good reads on players, uh, looking for guys that have upside that other teams might overlook. Uh, you know, we have a good analytical process. Uh, I, I think, you know, just our whole process helps us identify these guys. That's another thing you could write down for the other teams in town. Analytical process. And how do you spell that? that I haven't seen that with the yeah. other teams. <laughs> that one's much. tough. That and, spreading uh, that word is tough. Um, last one for me, I promise. So you mentioned the uh, idea of a top six winger, which is that's music to my ears. I love that. And, and maybe going and getting some skill. It does seem like for the first time in a long time, I'm thinking even back to – when you took over and, and you went and got Niskin in and, and Orpic and really fixed the problem overnight, you're going to have some money, some flexibility, some ability to move a bit this offseason. As a GM, that's kind of the dream, right? That's got to be exciting. I mean, how much different could this look this offseason because of that? Yeah, I think that was the idea. I mean, to get some picks, uh, clear some space, um, you know, bring, create a little bit of opportunity for some of our guys coming up. And, and to, you know, uh, be in the market for trade market, to be in the market for free agents, to to be able to participate in all those things is is going to be um, what you want to have going into the next season. Brent, always a pleasure to catch up with you, man. Really appreciate the time today. Thanks for having me on. 
There's Brian McClellan, GM of the Caps, who brought the Stanley Cup to D.C. back in 2018, joining us on G&D here on The Fan. Uh, you got your shot in at the Commanders among some of the other teams. Thank you. I doubled down and followed you down that path. I wanted to get back into, though, people wanting to weigh in on the next owner of the Commanders if, in fact, Dan Snyder does sell. And my question was, are people overthinking who's next? Not Snyder is the only thing that matters, right? But there have been some calls that say, hey, we got one chance at this. Let's do it right. Oh, we're diving into that on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Big thanks to Brian McClellan for joining the show. We're Grant and Danny. You are listening to The Fan. We started talking about uh, a potential sale. Dan Snyder selling the team to owner to be named later. And we were getting into the fact that when we start discussing these potential owners, whether that's Tillman Fertitta or Josh Harris or anybody else, it does seem like there is this feeling that, well, maybe this person isn't any good, which is very possible. Or maybe this person does a really bad job running the team. And to that, I always want to say, that's fine, but you're still okay with them buying the team, right? Like, in other words, are these people worried and don't want Dan Snyder to sell? Or they are ready for him to sell and they'll take it, and then they're worried that it might not be great afterwards? Because there's a big, big difference to me. All I care about is that it's not Dan Snyder, period. If we get to the point where we all sort of establish or or believe, excuse me, or are are done, yes, it's not going to be Snyder. I think it's perfectly reasonable to say who would you prefer. Right? That's that's normal human condition. 100% agree. There's a we difference. talk about that. There's a difference, though, between that and what you're talking about, I think. Because I've heard it, too. Because I've already gotten it. Where we now, we think we believe that Tillman Fertitta is one of the guys that submitted a bid. I've already got three or four people that's like, ugh, Tillman Fertitta. 
some article. Worst kind of boss. Right. Uh, I, I uh, literally just got sent. I, we're probably on the same tweet then based on that. But I, I got sent 10 minutes ago this story from someone saying Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta is the worst type of boss. And it's I haven't read the whole thing. So if he did something horrendous, I apologize. But ba- the, the first couple paragraphs is he didn't handle COVID great. And he wanted things open back up or whatever. And to that, I would say, is he Dan Snyder? Because that's my response to that. Is he Dan Snyder or not? If he's not, then I would prefer Tillman Fertitta, with all due respect. Right. So, and everybody's got, you know, so so uh, Jeff Bezos opposed this union thing, or Josh Harris, look at Crystal Palace in the standings, or everybody's got this thing where, yeah, there are very few great owners. There are. It's rare. The point is, I need everyone to understand, the bar here is the lowest bar in the history of bars. It's not even above the ground. If you're able to step at all, you've stepped over the bar that is Dan Snyder. He's subterranean. He's 60,000 miles uh, down below in the crust of the earth. I don't know if that's the right distance or not. I have no idea. The point is he stinks. It's the worst. The pits. The difference between a bad owner, a regular old bad owner, that, that whose teams make the wrong decisions sometimes, or maybe he'll, uh, I don't know, overcharge you for beer here and there. There's a grand canyon between that and the malignance of Dan Snyder. Let's go to the phones, 800-636-1067. How much do you care about what comes next post-Snyder as opposed to just wanting to know that it's someone else and it's not him? Alex is in Aspen Hill. That's where my mom grew up. She was a uh, a lifeguard over at the pool over in Aspen Hill. What's up, Alex? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, I don't know why we're getting so picky here. I mean, it's ABD. It's anybody but Dan right now. It's... It's been that way for years, and now, now that we're coming down to it, now we're getting picky. And everybody who says they don't like this owner for this reason, this owner for whatever reason, potential owners, all right, well, then who else? Who else? Who? There is no, like, golden, like, great, amazing owner. Like, everybody has something. It's not Dan. Let's, let's, let's get him out of here. Let's have the parade. Let's move on. So this is actually an interesting point. Mm-hmm. How many owners in sports have a really high approval rating? Think about it that way, right? Like, whoever your favorite owners are. I I think Ted Leontis has been an incredible hockey owner for the Capitals. Would you agree with that? Yes. I think he's been sensational. Now, I understand that the Wizards' results have not been nearly as good and that basketball and Wizards fans have their own complaints. But Leontis, the Arena Football League team, for whatever that's worth, won a championship. The Mystics have won a title. The Capitals have won a title. The Wizards are their own... Hamster wheel of mediocrity. Yes. And I know that's a big blemish. But my point is, there's lots of complaints, fair complaints, well, unfair, but, otherwise. But, but even in that, Grant, it's instructive. It's instructive, right? If you just go, Ted Leonsis hockey owner. To me, he gets great marks. Now, there have been missteps, certainly. His GM made a terrible trade one time where they traded away Forsberg from Murta Erat, right? I mean, that, that doesn't mean bad things, moves didn't happen. But the big, most important thing about Ted Leonsis to me as, as, a, as a hockey owner was he tried it one way. He tried a shortcut, fast track, buy the players, let's go outspend everybody and see how that goes. In that sport, it doesn't work. He learned his lesson. They tore it down. They rebuilt. And they've had a window of competitiveness and excellence for basically a decade and a half. That, to me, is awesome. That hasn't been the case with basketball. So even a given owner in a different sport, for for example, Josh Harris, the New Jersey Devils owner, might be different than Josh Harris, Philadelphia 76ers owner, who might be different than Washington Commanders owner. Even within the same person, you, you have a, a difficult time evaluating. Because I, I frankly don't think Ted Jones has been a very good basketball owner at all. I think I give him a failing grade. 
A for the Capitals, probably a D or an F for the Wizards. What would it be like for the Commanders, for example, if you own them? I have no idea. Right? So that's kind of my point here. Or the Nationals. It, or the, or why would you bring that up? The point <laughs> is we have no clue in a lot of these cases. The most important takeaways, it's not Dan Snyder. But, and then it's fun to play to play catch with some of the other guys and figure it out. Okay, but we agree he's been an A for hockey. Caps fans have complaints, is my point, right? Like, yes, of course. Owners and GMs, it, it, they're like talk show hosts. Nobody loves us every segment. You know, Nobody loves every single show we do. If you agree with us in that moment, you're kind of vibing with us. If you think we're making a dumb point or you disagree with us, you like us a lot less. Now, there are just certain jobs where the gig is not necessarily to be well-liked. Senator, congressperson, mm-hmm. president, right? A team owner is, you don't get in that game so that everyone loves you all the time. So my point is just to say, I'll bet you you can find a flaw with every single candidate to be an owner. I would go back to this important question. Are they Dan Snyder? That's always what I'm going to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Tillman Fertitta, Josh Harris, whatever it is, look at what the 76ers, da, 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 da. is it Dan Snyder? Rami's in false church on Grant and Danny. Hey, Rami. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, buddy. I'm I'm a little nervous, right? So I think everyone's putting the cart before the horse. I think I was kind of more like Danny. Didn't want to get my hopes up. Then the team started referring to Snyder selling. Got my hopes up. And then all this info came out about federal investigation, about asking for an indemnification from the NFL, which I don't think is going to happen. It means the NFL has got to take responsibility for what Snyder did. And Snyder's not going to sell. He's not going to get what he wants. If he thinks he's losing, he's not going to sell, which means they're going to have to force him out, which means we're not getting a new owner this March. We're getting a new owner maybe in a year or two, which is going to suck because he's going to burn it down to the ground before he leaves. I mean, I got so nervous. I bought a districtcommanders.com trying to write a message to the new owner hoping that he just gives Snyder a little bit more money just to get rid of him. So I think everyone is just like accepting that he's gone. But how he leaves is going to make a huge deal to us and this team. It's true. Thanks, man. You could be right. I don't know anything. I don't see it going that way. It doesn't seem to me like that's what's going to happen. But we're all guessing. I think he sells and he moves along. That's the way this thing seems to be trending for me. But it's possible he could own the team in a year or two. I just don't know how they could put the toothpaste back in the tube. If you're the NFL, you have to understand what is at stake here. If this guy, after months of everyone thinking he was going to be out, says, psych, (laughs) this isn't like the learners who are not loathed who recently won a championship saying, we're considering selling, only to then say they're not selling. And by the way, them continuing to own the ball club, the way that they're spending or not spending and the way of the trend is actually a really bad thing. But people aren't livid and irate and not going to support the team. It's not the same thing. No. Artie Moreno coming out, who signs and spends money on Rendon and Shohei and Trout gets a record deal. Him saying, I'm trying to sell the Angels, and then... The okey-doke coming back and saying, never mind, I have unfinished business. That is not the same as no one was planning a parade when the learners said they were leaving. You know, Nobody in L.A. was going to have a parade when Artie Moreno walked. We're going to have one legitimately yes. if Dan Snyder sells. It's not the same thing. Steve's in South Riding. What's up, Steve? Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, you, you hit on a bunch of points. I, the, the one I told when I called in was I don't want to forget about it. I'm a huge Nats fan season plan holder for a while so my concern is the lack of that but going with the the theme of anything but dan my concern is whoever we get 
we've got to make sure we keep the fan base here. My concern with uh, Fertitta is, you know, owning owning a team in Houston, owning a team here, where is his loyalty going to be? Where is it going to lie? So I, I really agree with anybody but Dan, but let's make sure that whoever it is is 100% in on getting the fan base back because that's what's going to make or break this team. And then, please, dear God, can we get somebody that's willing to spend money on the Nats so I can actually go to a game and win? That's a that's a lofty hope at this point. I'll be honest with you. You have to wait a minute. But to to the ownership question, you'll see him win a couple of times this year. Yeah, that, tens of times. But the ownership question here in terms of spending money. Sometimes, by the way, the best owner is an absentee landlord who just says, "How much does it cost?" And there's right. somebody here running the day to day. Other times, it's a, a a a high EQ communicator genius who empowers his employee. There's a million different ways to skin a cat. And we learn what happens when a lifelong fan of the team who really wants to win, who's from uh, Silver Spring, wherever the hell Dan's from, takes over. It sucks. It's the worst it could possibly be. Well, that was my favorite thing was, this was a few months ago, but someone called in and they said, we need a fan of the team who's local, who grew up cheering for the team. Anybody want to tell him? There's a guy. <laughs> I don't care if Tillman Fertitta never leaves Houston, Okay. If he's got someone running the thing locally and he just wants to make his profit, if he is invested and cares about the team's well-being because for him to get money, the team's got to be competitive, that's what I care about. And I'll even worry about that down the road. In the meantime, I just care the most about, is he Dan Snyder? It's not Dan. And the answer is he's not Dan. Then we'll we'll focus on the rest of the stuff later. He's Danny. I'm Grant. This is the fan. Let's uh, look back at the NFL Combine. Quarterbacks performing this weekend. Give you your prospect QB stock report out of the combine next on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 
Packers offseason plans at QB. Of course, we know that they missed out on Derek Carr, who signed today with the New Orleans Saints. First domino to fall in the QB market that could be pretty epic this offseason. But speaking of quarterbacks, Danny, how much quarterback combine stuff did you get to track this weekend? I caught quite a bit of it. It was basically, I just wanted to see Anthony, Anthony Richardson do things. This is this is that kind of intriguing, wild speculation prospect that this is this is the kind of guy that gets people fired, honestly, because the results on the field at times, the highlights are unreal. Overall production wasn't there. Athletically, off the charts. Off the charts. 40 and a half inch vertical jump, 10 foot nine broad jump. Both were records over the last 20 years in the modern era at the quarterback position. In fact, he broke the vertical jump record all by himself, and then he tied with a wide receiver slash quarterback who was drafted as a quarterback, Matt Jones, uh, in college and turned into a wide receiver in the NFL. So among QBs, no one has ever jumped vertically or on the broad jump like Anthony Richardson of Florida, who is a central casting, just perfectly built specimen at the position, six foot four. 244 pounds. He runs a 4-4-3-40. An amazing athlete. Here's the problem. He completed 54% of his passes this mm-hmm. season. If you're into that kind of thing, the whole you know complete passes thing, we saw some of this from Josh Allen at, a, frankly, a lesser level, playing at Wyoming, not Florida. There were major questions about him coming out. One-year starter. I don't do quarterback wins. I know a lot of people are, are bagging on him because I think he's – Got six college wins on his resume, which is way lower than the average quarterback that succeeds after they come out. I care more about, you know, the the completion percentage or the, the anticipatory throws, those types of things. But as you said, man, there is a massive disconnect between the athletic ability and kind of what he was as a player. But you're not drafting him based on college performance. You're drafting based on what are you going to be in five years? Right. And there are very few guys, not just this year, there's nobody, but generally at that position over a several-year span – that have the ceiling and the upside that he has. He has the potential to be an incredible playmaker with his feet. He's also got a cannon. He was flicking his wrist for 60 yards while throwing. Could take my eyes off it. And that's what it is, right? The intrigue. He throws the ball, uh, I think, second hardest all time that they've measured, over 60 miles an hour. Throwing a football that hard. Just shooting BBs around. He's unbelievable athletically. Again, the production in terms of consistency as a passer doesn't match it. But this is somebody that could be the guy. I can't believe blank team passed on this guy, right, one day. I'm not telling you he's going to be this guy, but I actually think the comp of Josh Allen coming out is pretty good in terms of the path he'll have to Mm -hmm. go on for it to work now, where Allen made major strides as a passer. Uh, Bryce Young, huge weekend for him. He didn't really do anything. In fact, he elected to do almost nothing on the field. He just showed up and got measured. As silly as it sounds, though, the fact that he's 204 pounds instead of showing up at like 196 or 198 matters. feels like a really big deal. The problem for me is not his height at 5'10", which is Kyler Murray-esque, or his weight at 204, which is slender. Because you can bulk and get up to 204. You're not going to sustain that. I remember a buddy of mine who caught in the minor leagues who would lose like eight pounds every game. And you know, over the course of the season, he would start at you know, 196, and he would get down to like 184 mm-hmm. or whatever. You can't keep that weight on. Bryce Young's not going to be playing week 11 games at 204 probably. You know, he's probably in the upper 190s. That slender physique's a problem for teams, and I understand it. There, there are major durability questions, but Danny, he's 
incredibly gifted. This is my favorite passer, playmaker, quarterback. In I love this watching class. him play. If I had the number one overall pick, I would take Bryce Young, but I would be nervous because you know, for everyone that wants to pretend like being five ten or being two oh four or both of those things isn't a problem, it is not ideal. We know this. Like no. it, you're better to be six four than to be five ten. It is better to weigh two thirty five than to weigh one ninety eight. Like these are just facts. Now, does it is it the end all be all? Can he not compete? Can, can he not win? Well, of course he can. Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Murray. There are guys that have thrived, but it does make things more difficult for sure. It certainly does. I mean, when you combine, I mean, some of those other guys that that weren't the tallest. Think of Russell Wilson. How stout is that guy? Built like a, a middle infielder, you know. And then you think of Drew Brees. Not as if he's uh, jacked, but not tiny in the frame. Bryce Young would be. The smallest combined, if that makes sense, when he plays down and down out. When you think about height and then the fact that he's slender, he's just so damned good and just has all the things that I want in a quarterback outside of that that I'd have to take a chance. I'm with you, but I understand the reservation. Wilson plays probably 20 pounds above where Bryce Young's going to be. Yeah, The guy that I keep asking, like, where are my flaws? Where are the blemishes? It must only be in really film stuff is C.J. Stroud. Because Stroud showed up and had the best throwing session of anybody. He's 6'3", 214. Smooth. Looked really sharp. Everything was fluid. He gets knocked because he went to Ohio State. Because you have Haskins and Fields who have really, really struggled. So that that has he's paying the price for that. He gets knocked for how great his wide receivers are at Ohio State. And there are some questions about having to basically see people open before he throws it. Which can be a problem going to the next level. But if we have a major ding on Young because of size and a major problem on Richardson because of college performance, like Stroud doesn't have either of those things. He's big. He's performed well. He throws it really well. And we'll get into Will Levis next here on Grant and Danny as we continue our prospect breakdown, some of the news and notes from the Combine. Plus, I want to go through some of Peter King's nuggets after being in Indianapolis on a bunch of teams and how they're going to operate this offseason What does it mean for the Commanders? We should also dive into John Morant, who's away from the NBA right now, dealing with some major issues. You're listening to Grant and Danny on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 